right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. This is the Labor Radio Podcast Network's live stream. You're joining us live. We appreciate you waiting just a few minutes while we took care of some technical difficulties. I am Mark, your, one of your co-hosts tonight, and I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. I do a show called My Labor Radio. I'm get joined tonight by my guest, Mr. David Story. David, give us a little bit about you, sir, all the way down south. You're a few miles away from me. Just a few, yeah. I lived in Tell City, Indiana for a little while, so I know a little bit about the snow up there. Hey, uh, brothers and sisters, my name is David Story. I'm the president of the Machinist Union Local 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Uh, I'm also one of the hosts of the Valley Labor Report, a union talk radio show on 92.5 FM WVNN in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, we stream live every Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m., uh, Central Standard Time for all of you out on the East and uh, West Coast. Uh, but we also uh, stream it on the YouTube and Facebook where you can find all of our past streams by searching for the Valley Labor Report. More importantly, today we have uh, probably one of the lesser known uh, union drives in, in the United States and probably in the world, uh, jokingly, of course. Uh, we have Brother Josh Brewer from RWDSU on the show with us. He is the lead organizer in Bessemer, Alabama, uh, heading up the Amazon Union Drive, what they're calling the Bamazon Union Drive, and a perfect name for that. Welcome in, Brother Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I, I appreciate uh, y'all bringing me in tonight, and uh, you know we're excited, a lot going on, but look forward to talking with you all, and uh, yeah, Bama, Amazon Union. The first time we heard it, we said, "That's it. We'll we'll, we'll roll with that." So that is that is it. Came up, yeah, came up with the Amazon worker came up with it too. So that no, that's fantastic. Amazing. That's even better. Yeah. That well, let me introduce good. our other guest too. Is Wayne Blanchard from the United Auto Workers? He's the regional director in UAW's Two B, which is Indiana and Ohio. Wayne is in his office right now after hours. Thanks for the above and beyond commitment, Wayne. Thank you for joining us. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you for um, the invitation. I appreciate, you know, taking the time and talking with you guys tonight. Well, we're, we're going to bounce around. We're going to do a few things. David, I know you had some things you want to talk about. You know, it's cold as heck, and I can give you some overview of things that's going on here. We got a foot of snow in Fort Wayne, Indiana, so Ooh. much so. It's so cold up here. It's six degrees right now. And the other thing that's going on is we don't have parts. So the, tr the plant I work at that builds trucks is stopped in its tracks. It'll start on third shift tonight. We just did 48 hours of unavailable parts to be able to build those trucks. So things are going bad from Texas and Mexico and all those points in between. We can't get it. But I know that no matter what cold is going on, organizing is hot, hot, hot. Talk to Josh about some of that, will you? Yeah, well, I think we'll all, we'll all have a little talk with him. But uh, yeah, so... <laughs> The, the, uh, I guess the biggest thing that, that I wanted to kind of start out with tonight, Josh, was the, we, there's a lot of talk on social media. There's a, I mean, for, for months, it's been covered up. Everybody talking about the union drive. Y'all have kind of kept it close to your chest, understandably so, because it was, you know, speaking with you last week, it was very dynamic in the way things happened. So, uh, if you could just maybe take a moment to tell all of our brothers and sisters out there kind of how this developed and give them a little bit of a background on how things work, because there's a lot of assumptions and misinformation that, you know, people just automatically assume because they're not hearing it from, uh, so to speak, the horse's mouth. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, look, a lot of, a lot of people ask us, you know, why, why Amazon? You know, why, why did you choose Amazon? Why, why go after Amazon? And, um, you know, it, the, the, the premise of the question immediately signals a false understanding of, of labor. And it's that, uh, you know, we didn't choose Amazon. The workers at Amazon chose us. Uh, we're grateful for that. We see it as a responsibility. We're humbled by it. But workers reached out to us uh, late last summer uh, with a, just a variety of issues. But, um, you know, union folks, uh, a lot of people that had been in, in unions in their past jobs or had union, union history in their family had a really good understanding of labor and, and the benefits to forming a union. And so, look, they reached out to us and they said, you know, Josh, you know, we, we're telling you people are they're, they're upset. Work, workers are upset and they feel like they've been lied to. And, 
you know, one, one thing that's interesting for us, it was, it was really kind of hard to, I don't want to say believe, but really wrap our minds around how a facility that had just opened uh, three to four months prior to that had already upset their workforce to a level that they were looking for outside help or looking to organize a union. Um, it's not something we normally see. Uh, usually it, it, it kind of takes some time for these bad habits to set in and some of these bad management to kind of get foothold and, and, and some real issues to set in. Um, and so for, for it to be three months open, that was very different for us. And so, you know, admittedly, I, I probably asked our committees a hundred times, you know, are you sure everybody's, you know, ready to do this? You guys got to come, you got to come. Um, and so, you know, we did, we, we, we started with some community organizing, uh, very, very close to the chest, as you said, um, not public at all, just uh, really activists inside of Amazon, uh, meeting in, in restaurants and bars. And, um, you know, we would, we would meet someone, would call our, our offices and, and say, hey, meet me um, here at Five Points. And, and uh, we'd go in there and they, they'd pull out 100 authorization cards out of their pocket and say, look, I've been you know, we've been, we did this at church, we did this the other day, you know, wherever, and then some at work in the parking lot, um, still don't even know those folks' names. They, 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 I said, I said, you know, well, let's get involved. They said, no, 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 this is what we want to do. We want to keep getting cards. We want to stay on the, and so that, that went for a, a while. Um, and, and we really realized, holy smokes, there's, there's, there's a lot of interest to form a union here. And so we, we developed a plan, uh, met with, you know, dozens of, of Amazon workers throughout July, August, September, um, to kind of formulate the plan. And October 20th is the day we went public. And when I say we went public is the day that um, we showed up at, at Amazon's gates. Uh, we trained a lot of our members to come out. We knew that it would be a large scale operation. We're a 10,000 member council here in Birmingham. And so we knew we need some help. And so we trained up and, and brought a lot of uh, warehouse workers, poultry workers, some healthcare workers uh, with us to the gates. And um, we actually haven't left those gates uh, except for Christmas Day and Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday uh, since October 20th. Uh, we're out there now uh, uh, talking to workers and, and answering their questions. And so, you know, that's really the start of it. I know uh, I, I tried to be brief. Obviously, there's a whole lot there in between. But, um, you know, that's really how we, we came out there and, and really how things started. Um, but it, it's really been just uh, for us just to keep up with, with everybody at Amazon. It's incredible. So, so go ahead, Mark. I said no, it's about David. David, go right ahead. Go ahead. So, so what you're basically saying is, in a nutshell, this is this has been a worker, rank and file driven organizing tribe. I mean, y'all didn't y'all didn't set out to say we're going to we're going to take on the you know the biggest corporation in America. Yeah, it, they came to y'all and 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 and, and uh, like any good organizer would, you didn't turn them away. You seen you know, the suffering at the door and said, uh, hey, we're going we're going we're going to make it work one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And I and I think that really speaks to the dynamic, because I was talking to my co-host a few months ago when y'all first went public. And it was originally like twelve hundred, fifteen hundred bargaining unit member bargaining unit. And then I was, uh, keep, you know, refreshing the NLRB website yeah. and. And then all of a sudden it comes out 6,000. And I, and I was literally on the chat with him that moment saying, either these guys are crazy or they have one hell of a damn, uh, a card list stacked up. And, you know, and, and I think that's where a lot of the pushback on social media and in the labor movement in general has come from. They're like, this is not orthodox traditional organizing, but. It was, it, and being around y'all now and listening to you and Randy has been like, well, there was so much fire there. You didn't have any choice. You just take, you took them all, you know, kind of like your family. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. I think there, there's a lot of complexity there. I think uh, number one, Amazon came to the city of Bessemer, initially announced 1,500 full-time jobs. That, that was back about a year, a year and a half ago. A lot of their public records show 1,500 jobs. Um, we knew there was more than 1,500, at least suspected, obviously, when we first arrived. One thing I will say is, is what's unique about Amazon, and really is, it just speaks to the level of community organizing, is there's really difficult to do workplace organizing because of COVID. Everyone works in their own stations, and then they, they go individually to these very individualized areas, and there isn't that sense of community 
um, in the break room. And so, you know, there's a lot of, and then of course, Amazon is like Fort Knox with their information, internal information on anything. And so, you know, we, we assessed that there was thousands of workers there. We initially filed based on just public record, essentially. Um, but as we were filing, so one thing to, to also note, during the time it actually follows our timeline, um, from the time we, be, we began the campaign until now, Amazon has participated in what's, what's, what's possibly known as the largest hiring event ever, that they've hired more workers in the last eight months than anybody ever has. And that's been fueled by the pandemic. It's been fueled by profits. We understand uh, Jeff Bezos's $90 billion uh, growth in his net worth this year alone. And so actually what you saw was a little bit of both. You saw the fact that they actually did have this tremendous surge and increase in full-time employment to carry the burden and the load of, of the COVID orders. And then at the same point, look, Amazon was going to be in the labor movement. We know what their, their strategy was. They were overwhelmed. There was a movement happening. They know what a movement does and they know how do you stop a movement? You try to delay it. You try to slow it down because it's coming and it's coming fast. Um, they hired, you know, some of the top uh, Trump NLRB appointees as their legal counsel. And their sole mission was to tie that thing up for months, months and months on end. And, um, and so we just weren't going to allow them to do that. And so ultimately we just made a decision early that yes, there's some groups in here that, you know, we think we could litigate potentially. Um, but you know, again, it speaks to a bit of a flawed labor system. We knew that that would take months to litigate. And by the time we could potentially get out of that, that we would have lost a lot of momentum. With our, with our movement and, and we were gaining cards by the thousands. And so, we, yeah, David, to your point, we just said, let's go. Um, we're going to an election because we're, you can't stop them and uh, we're certainly not gonna get in their way. And so we just wanna give these folks a chance to vote. And so, so there, there you ended up with a, with a unit that went from probably around fair to say 2000 uh, in a matter of months to 6,000 workers. Hmm. That's amazing. That's an amazing number too. I want to bring Wayne into this conversation because Wayne has been quite a while in the uh, organization with the UAW, spent several years there. Let's just put it nicely. You've done this for a while. Regional director as of 2020, um, September, does that sound right, Wayne, last year? So okay. it's not a new thing to you, but talk about some of your organizing too, because there's that falls right on what Josh is talking about. Some of the uh, organizing victories and things that you've been chasing since you've been around with the UAW and Region 2B. Well, so what, what's, what's happening in America and what we see right now, just like in Alabama, is workers starting to fight back. Um, they want a voice in the workplace. Uh, they want improved safety in their work sites and want to get treated with dignity and respect. And so that's that's what's going on in America as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, in our region, you know, we we've we've been successful in the last the last few months. We picked up a few members in, in Van Wert, Ohio. I mm. think it was 87 members we picked up over there just recently. And then um, before that down in southern Ohio we picked up a, a small group of workers down there, quality workers down there um, <clears throat> that we picked up. And then also, uh, you know, we, we had a drive in, in Cleveland, Ohio and a PPG facility over there. And, and we picked up some workers over there. So these, these small drives, you know, lately um, we've been, we've been pretty successful, especially once you keep, um, you know, if, if you, if you, if, the workers can decide for themselves free without, you know, the intimidation from the employer. Um, obviously, um, we win those elections. And, 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 that's, and that's what the problem is. Um, we, we, we definitely got to get that legislation for the PRO Act. I mean, that, that's, yeah, we know, we know that. Um, if the workers have a, a right to choose freely, um, believe me, we, we wouldn't even be there because the workers chose, just like Josh just said, um, the workers chose uh, the union to come help them. Right. They sought out help, and and Josh and 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 his his people are there to help help the workers out. So, hey, when when they have a right to choose, you know, we, we we're successful. Yeah. Let me just. I want to throw Wayne. I'm glad you brought up the Pro Act um, earlier today. David Story, our co-host said no matter their politics, bosses have one thing in common. They hate collective action and unions. 
there are two classes in the world and it's not Democrats and Republicans. It's the working class and the ruling class. And it's incumbent upon our survival for you to pick a side. And that's what those folks are doing. David, talk about that. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we deal with a lot in Alabama. And, and I think, and I'm, and I'm going to throw it down to Josh because I think it's important uh, because some of the other negativity that I've heard and I'm just trying to address through, you know, what, what is going on out there is uh, why in the world did, did, are we organizing in Alabama? You know, everybody's got this thought process and they correlate uh, being from a red state with being anti-union or being, you know, uh, not a stronghold on, on the organized labor in general. And the fact is, Alabama is the highest ranking as far as union density in the southeast United States, ranking over Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, and many of the other states. So, and especially, I think, what, you know, one of the things that Josh talked about uh, last week was him being a youth pastor and this being like um, an extension of his ministry, I think was the words that he used. And so, you know, it's, it, it comes back to this oppression thing and picking a side, whenever I said pick a side, we've got to stand with, with the oppressed, no matter, you know, whether it's workers, social justice, economic justice and things like that. But especially in Bessemer, we know oppression uh, we've lived oppression, you know, as far as seeing it live growing up, uh, you know, with, with Dr. King coming down there and things like that. So if you could, Josh, speak a little bit on, you know, kind of what your thoughts were as far as coming out of the ministry and into this and how they kind of go hand in hand. Because, of course, in, in the South, we love to talk about religion with everything. But I think it's important. It is. I mean, you know, I, I, it, it guides my my life. And so I would consider it to be important. Uh, um, look, I, I think Wayne, Wayne commented on it. It's, it's a dignity and respect. And it's, yeah. it's something that is someone that services a lot of workers in the poultry industry, services a lot of, look, CNAs in these nursing homes in these rural areas. Um, a lot of these places that are just grossly uh, underpaid and, 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 and our union for many decades now has been fighting to lift that floor in the South. And I think, you know, those that, those that are really totally surprised by this, I think, you know, I've said before, probably not paying attention. Um, you know, a, a large amount of this nation's history was fought and changed in the South, in Birmingham, among, among the spirit of the South. Among, among people of color coming together and saying, look, we're, this is something we're not going to stand for. And I think when you look at Bessemer, you look at a city that is, that is facing 30% poverty rate, one of the highest crime rates in the country. Um, it's a city that has, has very much struggled post-industrialized world and, 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 and unions leaving Bessemer, not unions leaving Bessemer, but industry leaving Bessemer. And, 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 and I think they've really struggled to find an identity to move forward. And, and, and I think what ended up here is that Amazon promised that. It promised an opportunity for these 6,000 workers that said, you know what, we're, we're going we're gonna to come in and we're going to give you a hope for tomorrow. This is, this is new and this is, this is big and we've got benefits and good commercials and we're going to put you in college and we're going to offer all these things. And it, and it sounded so good. And I think, I think what workers found when they got in there was more of the same. And in fact, not even more of the same, potentially far worse. Uh, this idea that um, I think when you take away the spirit of a man or woman and you, and you, you, you treat them as if they're a part of this assembly line, um, which essentially Amazon has, and they, they haven't hidden that. This is, this is part of their, 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 their philosophy on how they operate, is that everything is automated to the second. And that includes bathroom breaks. And that includes... Things to where, you know, Michael, our organizer on the ground says, look, even robots break down sometimes. And I think that is that is the concern. And I think when when people when, once they got inside of that facility and they felt that they felt, whoa, this is different. This is even different. than maybe maybe that other job I came from where that guy was not very good to me. This is a whole nother level of it. And I think it scared people. I mean, I, I, I actually believe that. I think it was like, wait a second, you're, you're trying to take away something from me. 
Um, and, and, and that's my humanity and my freedom, my ability to come and go as I please. You're, you're timing me, you're surveilling me, right? This doesn't feel right. And, and I think that's, if you talk to workers, they can't even necessarily put their finger on it. It's that I felt less than human. I felt like I was treated as, as, as this, this part in the system and not as a human being. And I think that, that, that is what, what really spurred people to this organizing drive, but I think has also spurred, you know, organizing across the South and really across the country as, as Wayne alluded to, but um, you know, look, the, the South has always led the, I don't wanna say always, but has, has very often led the way in change, especially as it relates to civil rights. We've, we've got a lot of stains as, as you alluded to David, but you know, we also have a lot of incredibly inspiring people that, that came out from the South. And, and so, you know, that's, that's really been our experience. Um, it's, it's really been just being allowed to participate in their movement. Um, I've, I've said it a lot of times, I certainly didn't sign up um, three to 4,000 workers. So, uh, you know, I, so I mean, it's just, they, it's a, they did this. Um, we're just helping them and giving them advice. So. That's fantastic. We're going to go to a break at uh, 730. We've got a couple of minutes. Wayne, I want to talk about politics and why it's important for union members and working families in America to be involved in politics. And you hit it by talking about the PRO Act and what that's about. And people hear the name only, but why do you think it's really important for us to be involved in politics? Well, well so listen, Walter Ruther said it a long time ago about what we win at the bargaining table um, can get take, stripped away at the ballot box. Um, we have elected officials that can write legislation of judges that can take away what we earn at the bargaining table. So, so those are those are the principles that we're we've been founded on, and mm-hmm. the, what we stick with. Um, we we just gotta make sure that we relay that same message to our members so they can understand it's not a Democrat Republican issue. It's it's we gotta stay involved with politics because we need people who are worker friendly. You know, mm-hmm. look out for the working people. Um, and, and that's, and those who we consider our friends and who we support, who we bag, who we think, who thinks like we do, you know, right. Here to working men, working men and women, men and women, um, that get up every day, go to work, try to make an honest living. And, 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 and Josh is saying it, I mean, th- these people are not robots. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, timing people on their breaks and, mm-hmm. and, you know, those, we can't, you know, people can't control their bodily functions, right? I mean, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. You, you drink some water and maybe an hour later, you know, you, you gotta go. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> what do you do? What do you do with that? You know? So yeah, like I said, I think people in America right now, um, they're, they're standing up. Um, they're tired, um, tired of the mistreatment. Um, I think right now the new administration that we have in office um, has has done something that not too many people have done over the years. Openly says that they support unions, you know, right. and right. and and so we we need to we need to you know do all we can right now to, as organizations to represent our members and show them that this is our opportunity right now that that we need to take advantage of as far as in the political process, like you said, Mark. Um, we just gotta elect friends of labor, and you know. So it's like I said, it's not a Republican or Democrat issue. Not all the time. Put it that right. way. Right. We just got a lot of friends, and you know, and one of the parties that that tend to look out for working men and women. Thank you, thank you, Wayne. That was great, David. We got a couple of seconds here left. We got about forty-five seconds left before we go to a break here for a couple of minutes and playing one of your favorite songs for the Dropkick <laughs> Murphys. Excuse me. <laughs> Anything you want to add, sir? I would just say, you know, whenever they ask for uh, uh, for an intro or a break song, you know, I, I immediately went back to two weeks ago whenever we were down there for the community rally with, right. with Brother Josh. And to see the joint 10 Teamsters come out of Boston, Massachusetts and drive overnight to support these brothers and sisters in Alabama, I thought, We've got to give them a hat tip on the show, you know, playing some hometown folks from Boston, Mass. So, you know. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate that background story to that, too. Dropkick Murphys. (laughs) 
Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us, folks. We've got another half hour to go here. You're on the Labor Radio Podcast Network's live stream. It's every Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. We're just doing it this week with some fantastic guests. We've got Mr. Josh Brewer from RWDSU and Wayne Blanchard from the UAW. And my co-host is David Story. David, great choice for music. Thank you, brother. That was a great break, too. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really enjoy them. They're pretty much the go. They were the last live band that I've seen before COVID hit with my oh. daughters. I'm really ready to get back and see them again. Yeah, and you know, the one great thing about the Dropkick Murphys, not to interject in these brothers' time, but all of their merchandise is union made. Yeah. It's, you know, it's important to support the artists that support us. Right. Right. So. I, I saw them in Chicago probably six, five years ago. Um, I thought I knew their music. I'm clueless. This whole building was just on fire inside. I know what you're talking about. There's just this feeling in there. And who thought, you know, you know, the bagpipe, they did it. It just did it all. It was fantastic. You're right. And it's all union stuff. The hats, everything was American made, union made, all printed yeah. by you. Great stuff. Yeah, that's wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would like to, I would like to talk to, Mar oh, to Wayne for a minute about what UAW does because, you know, whenever I, I'm the president of Machinist Union here in Decatur, we build rockets for to launch satellites. But 
one of the one of the strange things whenever uh, we went into negotiations was that I found out UAW represents some brothers of my sister company, United Launch Alliance, in Harlingen, Texas. It does aerospace. They build some of the parts and send them over to us to assemble in, uh, in here in Decatur. So you, I mean, a lot of people think when you talk about UAW, the auto workers, but man, the UAW has their hands in so many wonderful things and. You know, maybe you could talk for a second about about what y'all are doing out there. Yes, yes. Uh, thanks, Dave. Uh, speaking of like aerospace, um, we we built jet engines engines down there in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, and and in South Bend, Indiana. One of our oldest locals, active locals in the UAW, um, they build Humvees over there um, for our military. And so, so, and that's our honor to represent those workers over there who, who build vehicles that keep our, our military safe. Um, and, and so I can, so we, we, of course, we're known for auto workers. So we got the auto workers, the big three workers, GM, Ford and Chrysler in our region, but also, you know, we represent, you know, the medical profession. Um, we have nurses in Toledo, Ohio. We have um, techs and, and um, support staff in a medical field. So we, we represent those individuals. We have um, um, librarians, um, administrative, uh, administrative personnel um, in the public school system. Um, we represent law enforcement, um, correction officers. So, so we're, we're, we're quite a, kind of diverse, you know, in region 2B. Um, you know, we, we have lawyers over there and out in California, and we had graduate students in, um, in Region 9A. So mm -hmm. we're, we're pretty diverse in, in, in who we represent, because at the end of the day, and just like Joshua said, um, these, these people um, want some union representation, and that the first thing they do, they, they seek out, you know, someone to, to help them and they get in contact with one of our organizers and then it just takes off from there. Um, you know, if, if they want help, we're there to help, you know, and we do our best to try to make sure we represent workers who's seeking, you know, who's seeking to get that help. Talk, Wayne, talk about that too. When you talk about meeting with like, whether it's graduate students or nurses, now you're dealing with someone in a different professional world, is it tougher to negotiate with a hospital staff than it is with some auto plant or something like that, or a parts plant? Well, so, so to be honest, so, so uh, it's, we pretty much approach it the same, right? right. So, so negotiations is, is the workers in the, in the work site, you know, so the work site and a factory, it, it, it just, it just changed the work site, the work site in the hospital, so the committee is made up of the hospital workers, right? Sure. And so they share their demands, they share their issues, and and we work with them to try to accomplish that goal. So it's it's you know our, our thing is we make sure that you know the workers we we survey the plants, we survey the locations. A lot of places call them demands. Some of them are resolutions. It just sure. depends on where, where what work site that we're at. But the people, the people. Right, because it's that that myth out there, the third party, like right. uh, UAW come in here. No, it's no. that's not that's not it. It's the people they turn in their demands, their resolutions, things that they want to see in the contract, and and so we have a, a representative from the organization sitting right there with the committee to help mm -hmm. make sure that we can accomplish those goals and and get the best we can for the workers. So, I mean, it's, 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 it is different, but, you know, we approach it, we approach it the same way we do everything else. It's just, you know, we're, we're talking about different issues. Right. Well, it's always said you are the union and folks talk about that all the time. And I'm sure Josh deals with this stuff right now too, because there's a propaganda method going on inside that facility because they have captive audience stuff. They're going to put them in a room and tell them why that union's bad for them and why some third party is going to come down and tell them how to do everything. They're going to lose their jobs. They're immediately going to go on strike. And Wayne and Josh, you could both talk to that, but I know those are things you guys have to face all the time when it comes to organizing. Yes. Yeah, that, that is, that is true. We, we, it's hard for us to, 
to um to get a captive audience, just like the company. They're they're on a clock, and the company has a right to direct the workforce. You know, they and they're working for them, and and so we gotta catch them when you know they're leaving on their own time, and sometimes they they're fearful fearful for doing that because you never know who's watching. I mean, sure. these these companies and just like Amazon hire a consulting firm or consulting as a consultant and to help them put on their anti-union campaign and they spend millions of dollars yeah. to fight for what working people want. Right. Fight for what working people want. So um, yeah. it's, it's just not a worker friendly atmosphere, especially when they do that. And it make it hard for the worker to choose because they they constantly constantly are hearing hearing the story from the company and just like you know we we're discussing right now this third party no the union is the people is what you make it once you join i think that's probably one of the most important things uh, that or, or i would say one of the most unknown things whenever you start talking to people the amount of money that is spent on these campaigns to, and, and, and that's that's something you you hear a lot of the right wing media talk about uh, the pay and we're going to drive the pay is going to drive these companies out of business. The the amount of money that these companies spend on union busting don't hold a dime to what they're going to pay in the long term. They are they are fighting for control inside the plant or inside the facility. They're fighting. They do not want to lose one ounce of control because whenever they, whenever the workers find out that, hey, we can negotiate for ourselves and we can have a say on the, on the shop floor, that whole dynamic between manager and worker changes. But Josh, you know, you just, we just found out, I mean, you knew it, but they, I think Kim Kelly just confirmed it last week. I mean, Amazon went to the, to the city of Bessemer to have the stoplight timing changed. So because y'all had a tent set up at the red light, they wanted to change. I mean, it's just, um, it's insanity. Could you, could you speak to some of what, I mean, we all know the hundreds of millions of dollars they got invested. But I mean, you, you, we could do a whole show just on, on uh, strong arm tactics, these bully tactics that these companies play. Sure. I, you know, obviously this is, this is stuff that we've never seen before on a level that at least I, I can say that I haven't seen before. Um, you know, it, it also came out recently, that, I mean, just, just one. And so imagine a 6,000 worker facility, one of the contracts made its way public and, and one gentleman that is doing the union busting is, is being paid $3,200 a day. Um, and that's, that's a day for one. And so, and so Mark, I'd also mentioned that they, because of the, the, the ballots now being out, they can no longer do these captive meetings. And I'll, I'll circle back to that. But now they're using union busters for one-on-one -on -one meetings. And so they're coming to the workstations. They're talking to the workers on one-on-one -on -one basis. I don't know how many people it takes to talk to 6,000 workers on a one-on-one -on -one basis. But at $3,200 a day per person, right, it starts to get pretty crazy. And I think you look at not even just that. You know, one thing that was so offensive to these workers is that one of their primary concerns is that they work a 10 hour day with two breaks, two thirties, no 15s, no 10, no five, no stool, no sit down. So two, four and a half hour runs, and then they've got a 30 minute hard break. So the, these facilities are 16 football fields. And so a lot of workers, they, they get done in that hard break. They've got to walk multiple football fields just to get to the break room. By the time they get there, they, they eat a sandwich in five minutes and they make the long walk back to work. That's no, that's no break. That's no rest. And so that was one of their major concerns. Well, of course, Amazon said, well, we can't, our process, the, 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 you know, the infrastructure. But they could find two hours a day for the last two months to pull them off of their job, sit them down in captive meeting classes, and hammer them. And, and, and I think Wayne alluded to it. One thing that's important to note, that they third party the union. And I think we've got to circle this thing back because there is no third party union. And so what is union busting, right? So this idea that union busting is about a union buster is telling them how terrible Joshua Brewer is, doesn't even make sense, right? Because I'm just me and I can't possibly take on Amazon by myself. So what they're really saying is we're going to bust you, your opinion. 
the fact that you signed union cards, they know that 3,000 folks signed union cards or we wouldn't be in this position. And so they're telling their own workforce, right? We disagree with what you're doing. We don't support it. In fact, you're wrong. Here's why you're wrong. And they hit them with this incredible amount of misinformation. And I think one thing where people misunderstand, it's not that workers believe the lies being told by union busters. They don't. They don't believe it. What union busting does is it beats down and exhausts workers who are trying to fight. And it, 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 they, they try to give them this idea that the rest of their life will be in constant conflict. It will be strikes and angry and this dangerous thing. I mean, and obviously, whether they say it or not, the worker is going to feel that because they're working in an environment where the, their boss is not supporting their decision. And they're openly telling them, we don't support your decision to do this. And so imagining just the, the environment that that has to create in a workplace. And I think what, what their goal is, is not to convince workers to not unionize. 45% of our country wants a union right now, and, and they just can't get it because of the, the flawed system. Their goal is to just beat them to a place where they just give up. They just say, forget it. If this is too much. It's too difficult. And I'm not sure that I'm ready for this kind of conflict. And that is not a free and fair democratic process, which is what the, uh, the union election is supposed to be. And so um, it's been exhaustive. It's been constant. It's been bombarding. Um, I think it's, it's been known when you, when you actually put your literature and your signage eye level to the people sitting down on the toilet, not just on the inside of the stall door, but you actually drop it to the level to where someone that is actually going to be using the facilities will see it. Um, it really gives you this idea of, of what these workers are going through on a, on a daily basis um, and have been really since last fall, if you can imagine. And so it's been a it's been a war and, you know, and they're continuing now. They're continuing today. And, you know, there will be a time and place for all of that to come up uh, right now. We're going to focus on winning this campaign and we're going to focus on, on, on giving positive change and what this thing's really about. Um, and, and we'll let the chips fall where they fall and, and we'll cross those, those bridges when we get there. But um, yeah, they're, they're willing to do all things, including, you know, obliterating the law uh, to stop this election from happening. David, you've yeah. been down the road yourself too. Uh, you've done some uh, fun organizing as a, as a leader in your local union too. Have people come to you that are outside of your union and have said that they wanted to be some, how do I get into a union? Does that, do you hear that as a regular call too? Oh yeah, I mean it's a it's a daily thing, you know, here in Alabama, and I think that's probably one of the one of the misconceptions outside of our region is, you know, what we alluded to earlier with it being a red state that mm -hmm. it's not the worker oppression in this state, uh, you know, labor laws in general, uh, what 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 businesses are allowed to do to workers. I mean, you know, I read articles about workers standing on the line in diapers because they couldn't get bathroom breaks, you know, and this is, this is stuff that goes back. This is worse than, you know, than just average everyday business practices. This is mm -hmm. like, like Josh and, and like Wayne said earlier, this is stripping somebody of their, of their human dignity. I mean, we, we've come full circle to where, and that's, and I think that's one thing that we preach constantly is this isn't, you know, in, in, in the past, in the civil rights era, this was a black thing versus everybody else. And I think what we've come to recognize as I grew up is this isn't a black versus everybody else or a brown versus everybody else. We, this is a worker versus the owners. And we've got to start standing together as a class and not separate ourselves by identity politics, whether it be black, brown, red, white, yellow, or by Republican, independent, libertarian, Democrat, all of that goes out the window whenever you go to work. None of that matters no more. It's kind of like one of the mine workers said on our show a few months ago, when you go down in that mine, everybody's the same color. And, mm -hmm. and you start talking to each other and you start understanding just because this brother next to me is a different color, he has the same wants and desires that we have, the same needs that we have and things like that. So, and I'll get off my soapbox. I, I, I tend to ramble whenever I start talking about stuff I got. I apologize. That's why I uh, threw that at you. <laughs> <laughs> so we, well, we got about 10 minutes left. Josh, could you, in, in just a few minutes, could 
you know, you had the community event last week. I seen right before we come on the stage on the stream, y'all release an unbelievably good new video out there with uh, one of my fellow friends, Kathleen Kirkpatrick, and uh, there's numerous community people standing up. You had the NFL. Uh, give us some insight, if you could, and I know I'm going to have to, I may wind up having to get my pliers out and pry a toenail off. Give us some insight about how this is going, you know, as far as the data goes. Are we looking good? Are we, you know, and if you don't, if you don't want to say come and go pound sand, but I know there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people out there. I mean, literally, you know this. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I've got to be the one to put the pressure on you and say, come give us something. Sure. Give us something. Sure. No, I, I, I have no problem. Um, <laughs> you know, look, we're, we're talking to workers every day. Uh, you know, we're, 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 it's, 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 it's the time of COVID. It's, it's a challenge. Um, it's 6,000 workers. Uh, it's really been an incredible amount of solidarity across the labor movement. I don't have the time to list all the unions that are pitching in at this point and helping out uh, to organize workers, to reach out to workers. But, you know, most all the international unions and really everybody in the movement. Um, including uh, David on this on this call has uh, has a call sheet right and so you know everybody that we we we, we come in contact with has offered the support uh, the rally was great I think workers you know look Amazon again back to the bathroom breaks Amazon shut the facility down or nearly let all the workers go home early uh, so that they couldn't see that we had a community support rally and when you start to look at the level of mind games and how how deep this thing is that Amazon's trying to do here. I think that also backfired. I think, I think workers got home and turned on their six o'clock news and thought, you know, holy crap, this is why we got a short day today because they were going to be out there at shift change to support us. I think these things that, you know, workers are, are really seeing through, at least that's our hope, a lot of what Amazon is trying to really do, which is essentially just keep them from knowing that the whole world supports them. And that our country supports them, that our president supports them, that their family supports them, and, and the city of Bessemer supports them. And so, um, you know, I, I, as far as how we feel, we, we feel confident that we're going to win. You know, we, we feel excited. We feel that, uh, you know, we, we know for a fact we have thousands of workers in that facility that are supporting us, that have, have, uh, have, have continued to support this effort. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're pushing through you know, as fast as we possibly can. And, and, I, and I'll be honest, it, it seems that Amazon is worried. Um, Amazon seems scared. The, the, the more desperation that they continue to do, um, the more they, they, they can, you know, as, as, as terrible, they're squirming right now. And, and it does, it, it gives us a level of confidence that they're seeing the same things we're seeing. But look, we're in a fight. I mean, this is, it, it's, it's, it's being called David and Goliath for a reason. One day we'll compare our budgets and see, um, you know, who spent what on this campaign. And I would imagine that uh, our, our, our budgeting is very, very fractional uh, to the amount that Amazon is. And, and so, you know, look, it, it just shows you, you can't hold down the spirit of people um, and that when people come together, amazing things happen. And, and, you know, we started just trying to get a bathroom break. Now we're closing it down for rallies. We're getting the whole afternoon off. There's already all kinds of things positively taking place. Um, and so, you know, I think workers see that, I think, uh, but the solidarity, you know, I, I think I've said this from the very beginning. I think if we, if we can pull this out, I think it's going to be due to this community and the labor movement and just showing these workers that people support them. The NFL PA jumped right in. Um, people all over the country are jumping in and, and, and big organizations and big people are on their way. Everybody wants to show these workers that they, they believe in what they're doing. They support them. Um, and I think that's really starting to make its way through to them. And so we feel like we've got the momentum at the right time, which is exciting. Um, and that workers are really starting to see through a lot of this stuff that Amazon's put out. And so um, we're cautiously optimistic, I think would probably be the best word. But, uh, you know, look, we're, we're certainly not out here um, with any fluff. We're fighting 20 hours a day, hundreds of people to get this thing done because we feel like we can win. You know, love love is a powerful thing, and people people can say what they want, but we don't do this for the pay. We do it because we love what we do. 
Right. This, this hotel, you can see my background here. Yeah, this is a hotel. Yeah, this has been, you know, I've got, I've got three children. I've got a wife back home and, uh, you know, they fully understand. They support it. You know, you go into solidarity. It's, there's, there's a lot of spouses at home for organizers um, and people that, that, that have to put in the, they got to give stuff up, you know, and, and my wife has given stuff up for the last six months and, and she's willing to do whatever we got to do. And so, you know, it's, 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 I've certainly never been on a campaign that had this much support. Uh, it would be nice if it was always this way, um, you know, but uh, you know, it's been great. And, and, and I think a tangible thing that's going to help us get across the finish line. We've only got about five minutes left, and I wanted Wayne to talk just for a win, one or two minutes here about why it's important for us to be involved in our communities. And that's really it, because we are the mentors or we're leading someone at church or we're helping coach a baseball team. There's a lot of union members who give back, and they've always done those things. Talk about why that's important, Wayne. Well, just just like what, what Josh is experiencing down there in, in Alabama, um, it's, it's important to to do things in the community because you may need a community to help, you know, help you through those times like those workers that have right now, right now. So you you need a community support, support, but like, you know, I I think, you know, for our organization, our union, you know, to be involved in the communities, um, it, it, it says a lot about the workers, um, that, People work all day, they work their shift, and then they take the time out, like you said, Mark, and coach a, a, coach a little league, baseball mm-hmm. team, football team, because union workers are, are just like everybody else. You know, we, 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 we want to make a decent wage so we could, you know, be able to have the American dream, um, right. which Josh and them was fighting for down there in Alabama. Um, it's, it's just being able to be able to have time to, to share with your family, raise a family, food on the table, have a, have a home to stay in, have a vehicle to travel around in. And hopefully one day you got enough money, you can take a vacation, you know, just like the CEOs, you know, in these, in these corporations, you know, um, they live the American dream, you know, but they live it way, way at a level higher than us, you know, and, and, and it's coming to be that time um, that they need to share, share some of that wealth and share some of those opportunities to workers. Because workers, that's that's at the end of the day, that's that's all it is. You know, um, I go back to that dignity and respect. You know, they just want to be able to come to work, do their job, and go home. You know, and take care of their families, um, and not be treated like robots, like Amazon. You know, didn't prepare for when they designed the facility. Having a break room at one, I mean, having to walk football fields to get to a, yeah. a break room. Um, you know, those are the things that we bargained for. And our and our plans, you know, we bargain for break areas, you know, we bargain for restrooms, you know, stuff like that to make to make accommodations to the people that's working for the employer. And so, so it's in, so along with that, but to go back to your question about the community, Mark, because I can go on and on like days. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, it's the same thing, you know. It's it's it's, it's a love and a passion for what we do, right? Um, but yeah, just doing stuff in our communities, you know, even sitting on boards like the United Way, March, Red Down, Cross, yeah, Red Cross, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, you name it, man. And mm-hmm. Boys and Girls Club, you know, those are our members, you know, um, take part in, in those, you know, in those organizations, you know, their kids may be at the Boys and Girls Club, you sure. know, so it, it behooves us to to take part in it to make sure that those organizations are successful because we never know you know where one of our members can be in the hospital and they need blood you know right. um especially during this pandemic you know even through the pandemic you know in northwest ohio we've been doing blood drives you know often because you know it just because the pandemic was going on it didn't st- it didn't cease the need for blood especially, you know, in the hospitals and with, with this pandemic, you know. Uh, so it, we should be involved in our communities. Um, it, that's, to me, that just go hand in hand, you know, take care of your community and, and um, hopefully your employer that's, that's set up shop in your community is doing its, doing its best to um, take part in supporting the community that they have, they, they run their business in. So, right. 
Thank you, Wayne. That's a great point. And I always looked at it too as an opportunity to talk about a union if it ever comes up. And I never brought it up, but if someone asked me, well, what do you do? And I tell them I'm a union member. And then I tell them what I do. And that starts a conversation because those are those educational opportunities. We only get them for once in a while. David's we're getting close to the end here. Is there something you want to wrap up with here? I don't No, Not really. You know, I guess, I guess, uh, the, playing off of what you said a while ago, when I, when, uh, when I get asked what I do, I take it from an old, uh, not an old, if he's watching, I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, one of my grand lodge reps told me one time, I think we were in DC and he said he got out of the cab, got into the cab and the guy asked him what he'd done for a living. And he said, I fight for workers for a living. And so that's kind of what I always say, you know, and they're like, what do you mean you fight for work? And then that kind of opens up that conversation. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if, if just to wrap up, I wanted to thank both of y'all, you know, uh, very much. I've, I've tr tremendously enjoyed our conversation. I can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate y'all coming on. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. And hey, hats off to you, Josh. Um, that's, that's special work that you're doing, um, taking care of those workers, trying to, trying to deliver that dream for them. And I, I take my hats off. Organizers, that's probably the hardest job in our organization, man. And, um, and it takes a special person to do it. And it looks like you, the guy that's um, that's up for the job right now. So hats off, man. I appreciate all the work you're doing down there in Alabama. Josh, that. anything you want to wrap up with us? No, no, Wayne, I appreciate that. And, and you know, yeah, it's, uh, you know, sometimes Johnny Whitaker always says, you know why, why old birds don't, don't ever uh, do the stuff you do. He said, we, we, we haven't, or we already figured out we can't do that. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, people say, you know, you gave it, it's like, well, we didn't really know we couldn't yet. And so we're going to, we're going to keep taking shots. I think you said something that was important, Wayne, uh, for this time in this space. I think the beauty of the labor movement is, is that it's, it's a movement and that uh, we need to, to your point, uh, we need to always be bringing up the next generation of people behind us to pass this thing too. Um, because that's that's the singular most important part of our campaign. If you look at the notes and the conversations that we've had with workers, uh, again, if we win, it's because aunts and uncles and grandparents and parents shared why this was important, and they knew that going into it. Um, that's how we we change things, and I think that's super important to note. So I appreciate that. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us. It's a wonderful show, David. Thank you very much for representing wearing a PBR hat. I got to tell you. The first beer I had when I was way too young was a PBR, brother, and I appreciate the hat. That worked great tonight. <laughs> also yeah. want to thank you guys for joining us. Wayne Blanchard, who's the regional director from UAW in 2B, which is Indiana and Ohio. So, Wayne, how many members total in Indiana, Ohio? Well, so right now we're, we're, we're around 70,000 active members and probably, I will say, like 130 um, retired workers. Fantastic. Thank you. Great data. I appreciate that. Josh uh, Brewer from the RWDSU. Josh, that's a good size union. You've got some numbers, um, not just in your area, but like this. The, can you give us a number for the United States for RWDSU? I, I believe we're pushing around 100,000. I, I, I don't know that the international. I know we've had a lot of, uh, of great organizing victories recently. I know uh, we just had 750 workers at Housing Works New York. Yeah. to organize and um you know we've our council ourselves our mid-south council went from five thousand to ten thousand members in the last five years great um, so you know we're we're growing as fat like you said it's, it's hot organizing organizing's hot, hot. Organizing's hot. Organizing hot. yeah <laughs> that's great i gotta thank my co-host too david story thank you very much for all of your input i follow you on twitter if you're not following the radical unionist get a grip and do that we also have to thank Chris Garlock from Union City Radio as one of our producers of the show tonight, as well as Evan Papp at Empathy Labs. And there's some great stuff. You follow him on YouTube. You can find some Empathy Labs stuff. You can also follow him on multiple social media platforms. My name's Mark. You saw David. You know where Wayne's at. And there's Mr. Josh, too. Thank you very much for joining us every Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. It's the Labor Radio Podcast Network why don't you join us? It's on Facebook Live. We appreciate you being here. Guys, anything else you want to say? Stick around. It's labor history for two minutes. Come on at you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history. 
I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1936. That was the day more rubber workers sat down in Akron, Ohio. Tire builders in Goodyear's plant number two, labor department 251A, sat day down when 700 co-workers were laid off. Goodyear that has been running more rub- six-hour shifts. They hoped to reduce the workforce by implementing three eight-hour shifts with no increase in pay. Management moved quickly to fire all of the strikers. By this day, all 4,000 workers at Goodyear voted to strike over the layoffs and firings, the speed-ups, and the new shift hours and pay. The enormous 11-mile facility was immediately shut down. In his book, Strike, historian Jeremy Breacher indicates that few, if any, were union members. The United Rubber Workers Union was hesitant to associate itself with the sit-down. Rubber workers organized themselves. They set up 24-hour pickets at dozens of gates, built striker shanties, and set their demands. After six days, the United Rubber Workers Union sanctioned the strike. Breacher described the scene writing, quote, the company secured an injunction against mass picketing. 10,000 tradespeople from across the city gathered with lead pipe and baseball bats to stop 150 sheriff's deputies from opening the plants. The Summit County Central Labor Council guaranteed a general strike if Law and Order League vigilantes carried out their threatened March 18th attack on picket lines. The vigilante movement was paralyzed. Federal mediators demanded a return to work and arbitration. Workers responded, no, no, a thousand times no. I'd rather die than say yes. Finally, Goodyear capitulated on most of the demands, except formal recognition of the union. Rubber workers returned to work largely victorious. After renewed struggles, workers finally won union recognition a year later. You better listen, my brother, because if you do, you can hear there are voices still calling from across the years. And they're crying across the ocean, they're crying across the land, and they will until we all come to understand. None of us are free, none of us are free. None of us are free, and one of us is chained, none of us are free. 